0: I'm just going to read Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord, has made known sal- Sorry. the Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity.
1: A new song, says the psalmist. And the psalmist then proceeds to give us a worked example of how to do that. Worked example in three phases, which the NIV has conveniently divided up for you into three paragraphs. Sing to the Lord a new song, says the psalmist. And first of all, first three verses, fill your mind with the deliverances of God. Fill your mind with God's salvation. Three times in these verses, we hear the word salvation. And the vocabulary that the psalmist uses here is is very reminiscent of, of words, phrasing that you get regularly in the Old Testament, evokes various stories of salvation so as we come and think how are we going to go about singing a new song think back to the stories of deliverance there are big ones there are small ones there are dramatic ones there are ones which are much more hidden away Um, the archetypal story of deliverance that you find in the old testament of course is the exodus the crossing of the red sea Exodus 15, Moses and Miriam take exactly the advice of the psalmist here before he's written it, and they sing a new song, the song of Moses, the song of Miriam, as they celebrate God's deliverance, that God has taken a horde of brickfield slaves who were trapped and enslaved by a superpower of the time, by Egypt, and has brought them out and led them to where it seems that they are stuck, they are caught at a a dead end, they are cornered, and yet God does an amazing thing. He does a wonderful thing. He parts the sea, and these slaves, helpless, at their wits' end, feeling that they've made a terrible mistake, are suddenly and miraculously and gloriously delivered. And this leads them to burst forth in a new song, Uh, You can pick up all sorts of other examples of this. On the other end of the scale, much smaller, more private, the deliverance of God, the salvation of God as experienced by Hannah in 1 Samuel uh, chapters 1 and 2. And again, her response to her being released from barrenness is song and praise, the same kinds of wording, lifting up um, her eyes to God. Remembering the wonderful things he has done, the amazing things he has done, he sets slaves free. He gives the barren woman children. It's the big scale and the small scale together. We see the salvation of God. You can find lots of examples of this actually, where where it just uh, it seems that God's deliverance leads into song and praise. Uh, one one particularly dramatic example in terms of the the language of song and music that you find is 1 1 chronicles 15 and 16 which is the, the when they bring the ark of the covenant to the temple in jerusalem and if you look at that at some point you'll find the same kind of language again and again that speaks of the fact that they this little nation that david who started as a shepherd boy now comes as as a king and he brings in to this city he has established a sign of god's presence and they celebrate and they get carried away. David gets so carried away in his celebration that Michael, his wife, is totally embarrassed by this. It's, it's quite over the top. And so fill your minds with the deliverances of God. This is the first thing our psalmist today is stressing for us. These are amazing things that God has done which are re- rooted in God's faithfulness and God's love. Things that are publicly displayed Things in the past, the distant past, things much closer, things in, our, you know, in, in, in the psalmist's own experience, perhaps in our own experience. The ends of the earth will see the salvation of God, says the psalmist. This is going to be visible across the whole cosmos. So come and join in the celebrations. The ends of the earth will see The salvation of our God. And so, as we move into the second section, this is our our first pointer that the psalmist gives us here. Fill your mind with the deliverances of God. Secondly, middle section, get ready to make some noise. Because that's what the ends of the earth are going to do. And the challenge is this, are you going to join in? Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Actually, it's a bit more punchy than that. The way it was written. Burst into jubilant song with music is, is in fact, it's three commands, three single-word imperatives in the original. It's quite punchy. The psalmist says, "Pitehu, varanenu, vazameru," which means "break out." Rannanu means give a ringing cry. At least that's what the main Hebrew dictionary says here. It takes this word, it says it's almost like onomatopoeia, you know, words that sound like their meaning. Rannan, give a ringing cry. And zamerus, zamerus, start the music. Three three words, three sharp bang, bang, bang. It's a bit like ony marks, get set, go. Or lights, camera, action very much it's not going to let you sit there and 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 let this pass you by get ready to get ready to make music get ready for the songs bring out your harp which might be a little bit of problem Has, has anybody here actually got a harp I, I'm slightly troubled by the choice of the word harp here, because when I think harpist, someone's got one of these large things, it's very calm, and you sit there doing this kind of tinkle-tinkle sort of sound. I may be being desperately unfair to harpists everywhere here, but it, it's not an instrument that speaks to me necessarily of, of loud celebration. Um, but of course, that's, that's not a problem. What, what they've done here in the NIV is they've chosen the best reproduction they think to, to to capture the idea of the instrument, which is actually a kinor. Has anybody got a kinor? Oh, this isn't helping either. Then perhaps. <laughs> well, this has been a, a long-standing problem. A kinor is a kind of uh, an instrument with a, a sort of wooden box at the bottom, two arms coming up like this, and, and a, a crossbar and strings coming down. And I think you could strum it or you could pluck it. But there's actually a very long history of sort of translating this into different instruments. So they didn't have harps in the sense that we do in ancient Israel. They did have, they had kinors, and yet the, the NIV takes this as a harp. Often you'll see it translated as a lyre, but this is, is a very, very ancient tradition. So in fact, the ancient Greek version of the Old Testament, they, trans, they, they sometimes actually did use the word kinura, which is the kinor. They translated it directly from Hebrew, but here they used the kithara, which is another instrument altogether. So right back in antiquity, people are already switching musical instruments. And this seems to me to be entirely faithful to what the psalmist is saying, because he says, sing a new song and you can bring some new instruments. Bring your kinor if you have one. Bring your kitara if you have one. But you might notice the word kitara sounds vaguely familiar, because it's the ancestor word of this thing down here. The guitar goes via perhaps the zither and ends up with the guitar. So bring your guitar. And now we're into safer territory here. The psalmist, I think, is saying bring something with strings to make some sound. Do you have a ukulele? Bring your ukulele. Bring your banjo and your banjolele. Bring your cello. Bring your... Five-string fretless bass, that's for Jim. (laughs) I'll even step away from my my long-standing prejudices and say, bring your violin, if you have one, and your viola. Bring something that's going to make some sound to celebrate the deliverances of God with which you have filled your mind. you filled your mind with this salvation. Now you're going to bring something to make some noise. But I think the psalmist then thinks, we've got a little bit of a problem here. Because we have no amplifiers. And even if we've got a hundred people strumming kinnors, it's not going to be very loud. And we want volume. So, the psalmist says, bring the trumpets. This is the high volume instrument of its day. You can bring, in fact, we've got two sorts here. Trumpets are the, the metal ones, I think. And then also the ram's horn, the shofar which is almost the the archetypal instrument of of ancient Israel. Bring your shofar. And I like the way that the uh, NIV says, we're going to celebrate with the blast of the shofar. This is not subtle. There's another translation, the New English translation, says bring the, it talks about the blaring of the ram's horn, which to me, it sort of brings to mind someone with one of those air horn things you know the press is like a car horn they are going to make some noise here they are going to celebrate and they and the world is going to know the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our god and the psalmist is kind of saying we're going to help with that process by advertising it we are going to put some volume out there people cannot ignore this because we have seen god's salvation we will draw attention to it we will celebrate it we will honor god for this Shout for joy. Why shout for joy? Because the king has come. The Lord is the king and he has come to his people. The king is coming so make some noise. Celebrate the Lord's arrival and I'd like to jump forward actually a moment here to an incident in the New Testament where we see Almost this dynamic at work, in, in a slightly smaller, perhaps quieter scale. there's no instruments involved. But in Luke 19, as Jesus comes to Jerusalem, and he rides on a donkey, and his disciples don't really fully understand what's going on, and yet they perceive somehow that God's king is coming. And so they start shouting, "Blessed is He who comes in the king!" who comes in the name of the lord so they celebrate the coming of the king and they start making some noise because they don't really understand all the ramifications of this they probably don't really appreciate well they don't really appreciate yet that this is going to end up on the cross still less have they grasped the coming resurrection and salvation from death and yet they appreciate that god's deliverance is on the way And so they start to celebrate. They start to praise. They start to celebrate the salvation of God. And some of the onlookers say to Jesus, teacher, this racket is not appropriate. Tell your disciples to be quiet. And Jesus says to them, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the very stones are going to start shouting. They're going to start celebrating. And this in a way leads us in to this final section here. We've had, you know, sing to the Lord a new song. Soak your mind in the deliverances of God. Get ready to make some sound. And now understand that as you praise, you are joining in the celebration of the whole creation. You are joining in the celebration of stones and water and cosmos let the sea resound some translations say let the sea roar and everything in it the world and all who live in it so in the middle of this psalm we're planning to make some noise and then it turns out we're joining in with a song that was going on already the song of creation Let the rivers clap their hands. I've spent a bit of time chewing over this one. I find this a hard one to envisage. I kind of get the trees clapping their hands because, you know, branches look a little bit like arms. And when a tree blows in the wind, it's almost like... It's kind of, you know, you can kind of... But how can a river clap its hands? What does that even look like? What does that sound like? And I suppose part of the answer is that we're not here talking about a gentle, serene, you know, the Thames as it flows through Oxford kind of thing. We're talking about a raging torrent, which is roaring and it's tumbling the rocks down and the rocks are crashing against each other. And this, the psalmist says, is part of the praise of God for his deliverances. And if you don't do this, if you don't join in, well, the world is going to do this anyway, because it knows Creation gets it, even when we don't. The mountains are going to give out resounding shouts. Actually, that takes us back to the same word that we commanded earlier—the one about give a ringing cry. It now says the mountains are going to do that. So, what we're doing here is we're not just a, a, a lone voice in, in 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 the midst of the silence as we praise God. We are joining in with the song of creation the song as it longs in fact Romans 8 talks about creation longing for the revelation of God for the sons of God to be revealed and I wonder whether this may I hope this isn't too far-fetched there's a sense that creation is living between the times of seeing of being almost an awareness somehow of God's creation and it's longing to burst forth in this, when it sees the fullness of God's deliverance which is on the way And this, in a sense, is the challenge for us with a psalm like this, is that we do live in the light of the salvation of God in the past. And yet we also live in the light of our present challenges and the things that we cannot see and the things we do not understand and the things that are hard and the fact that we do face defeats in life. And yet we can look back and we can look forward as well, because it's not only the song of this creation, in a sense, that we're joining in with here. If we jump, jump right forward into Revelation. Revelation 5 and Revelation 14, we both, in both those chapters, we actually find a specific reference to a new song. That's where we started with this psalm. Sing to the Lord a new song. And it turns out that in heaven, that is what's going on as well. So when you sing a new song in praise of the deliverance of God, When you make that noise, you're joining in with the praise of creation. But more than that, you're joining in with the song of heaven. So Revelation 5, it talks about the living creatures around the throne and the 24 elders, who exactly they are, I'm not quite clear. But they fall before the throne of God and they sing a new song. Revelation uh, 14, you find the same thing going on. The singing of a new song by the saved. Throughout Revelation, actually, you find again and again song. And you find often this is rooted in recognition of the justice of God, which is exactly where we land in Psalm 98 at the end. Praise God for his justice. let them sing before the Lord for he comes to judge the earth he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity and again and again in Revelation you find a new song rooted in the recognition of God's ultimate victory. Revelation of course is written to people who are living with regular trouble with what feels like defeat with what feels like tremendous difficulty in life and yet they are told the new song is happening in heaven the victory is assured. Justice will be done. Things will be set to right. And so as, as we engage with this psalm, as we think about what sort of new song we might produce, what, what, we might have, what sort of new song we are going to generate, we can look back and we can look forward. We can reflect with the psalmist on the deliverances of the past, going right back to our forefathers as it were in the exodus because we are part of the same people as christians and the story of the exodus the deliverance from egypt is now part of our story and we can celebrate that deliverance too we can look to the future as well we can see the coming deliverance this is the deliverance which is ultimate and final rooted in the victory of jesus the victory over death and the setting of all things to rights, and the the establishment of all justice. We can look back, we can look forward in the midst of our troubles, and we can say, yes, God's salvation is there. God's salvation is to be celebrated. I thought just to conclude, I'll take just a few verses actually from that song of heaven presented in Revelation. This is Revelation 15, uh, where it tells us that... um, Those who had been victorious in these battles presented in Revelation, well, they were holding harps, incidentally. Kitharas, probably. But these were given them by God. And they sang the song of God's servant Moses. So maybe there's a link back to Exodus here. And of the Lamb. So it puts Jesus front and center. And these two verses here, I think, make a fitting point to conclude. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of the nations, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Amen.